Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show. It's questions from the audience day here on Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. You are always welcome to submit your questions. They could be anything. They can be anything. Anything is welcome. Uh, now, I might not be able to answer or uh, for whatever reason may not want to answer, but hey, email McKernan at InsideSTL.com or the TMA fan page on Facebook. Uh, and fire away, and who knows? I might spend an entire episode on uh, on your question, as we did, I guess, with the Artie Lang show experience from 2013 uh, when I was up in New York for that, or the whole 590 The Man, 1380 The Woman thing, which was a recent edition. If you haven't listened, go back, subscribe to the podcast. There's all kinds of stuff that really isn't dated. Uh, and And so many people say, you know, I love listening to these podcasts because when I'm working out or when I'm driving, it's just you know, an hour's worth of content and I can go back and listen to them whenever. And that's, that's what the name of the game is with the podcast and it's free flowing. So glad people continuing to submit questions and they trigger memories and then potentially weird stories you've never heard before. And so that's what we've got for you again here today from the home loan expert.com studios. And, you know, regarding the home loan expert.com and Ryan Kelly people, uh, I think I, you know, I remember this, I, it was, it was, it was torture for me uh, because I just, I didn't, I didn't know. I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know. If there's one thing as a parent that I want to make sure that I do, uh, that I, that I completely failed as a 20 something, it's being much more, I don't know what the right word, I don't even say savvy, just remedial education regarding managing money. Uh, and I would have big credit card debt and, and it, and it was, it was not a case of like many families, uh, you're just in a spot where you've got to deal with it. I was just being flat out irresponsible. And so when, when Ryan Kelly told me, did you know that the average American household has $16,000 worth of credit card debt, but there is an actual way out. See, when I'm in my early twenties and I don't have a home and I certainly don't have home equity, I'm trapped my own fault. Nobody to blame, but myself, uh, Right now, with the home values as high as they are and with interest rates as low as they are, you can get out of the credit card debt by getting a cash-out refi with Ryan Kelly and his team at thehomeloanexpert.com. Five minutes can save you $500 on your payment with a refinance. You can do all of these things and, of course, buy a home with Ryan Kelly at thehomeloanexpert.com. Can't recommend him and his staff enough. Thehomeloanexpert.com, the sponsor of our studios here on the Tim McKernan Show. And James Carlton of State Farm 
insurance. This is a gentleman who got on board with the podcast before we even did one episode. He said, I know what you're doing, and I have a feeling there's going to be a following. And I appreciate that because, listen, I had no idea. And there he is, uh, nine, ten months later, still with us and very grateful for it. But here's the other deal. He does an incredible job. And uh, we had a situation um, with uh, the, the Seamaster, our executive producer. He is he is moving on uh, outside of the radio slash podcast industry. God bless him. And he had a company car with Inside STL. And he came in and said, hey, I don't need the car anymore. Uh, and perhaps um, can can get it in the hands of, of the Plowhawk or Iggy. And then the Plowhawk was dealing with some car problems, and then he asked about using the car, and I'm like, well, of course, why not? It's just sitting there, and I'm happy to do it. But then I thought, okay, I'm not sure what the insurance situation is on it, so let me check into that. And then James Carlton explained what we needed to do and how you don't want to have a car that is uninsured because it was uninsured by individuals. Uh, just out there on the road, even if it is in a one-day pinch. And I hate explaining that. Plowhawk, of course, understood it, but it still sucks. But either way, to be able to text a guy and get an answer on something, that's it's peace of mind on dotting I's and crossing T's, and you have that with James Carlton. And I think, and I could be wrong on this because it's not necessarily, certainly not my industry, but... I think a lot of people just ratchet up with clients and then they just kind of, all right, now I've got my clients and now I'm good. James is continuing to grow his business. He's a young guy and he does an incredible job with a big staff in Webster Groves. He's at 314-961-4800. Make the switch. You'll be happy you did. And they do all the work for you. Few people have done it and they're talking about, yeah, wow, I thought that was going to be like a five-day process with a bunch of paperwork. They do it for you. You'll be happy you did. It's James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, 314-961-4800. And finally, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, the Highway 270 Washington Elizabeth exit. My wife just got her car from Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. Uh, This is a family that's been operating a car dealership now going back decades and decades and decades. I said a year on the air and Johnny was listening and uh, and then he corrected me. And if I'm not mistaken, because now I'm not looking at my phone, uh, but I think we're going back to the 1930s. He said, 1930s, big boy. Uh, so that's how, I mean, that's that's when you know you can count on somebody, when they've been doing it that long. Their family's been doing that long. And then on top of it, he's got his sons in there. His sons, he should be very proud. His sons are great guys. Matter of fact, talking about the Plowhawks car situation, Sam Landoff, uh, Johnny's son, uh, one of his sons is listening to the show. He texted me and he said, hey, uh, give the Plowhawk my number or give me his number and I'll reach out to him and we're going to get this taken care of. Uh, and that's just, that's the kind of way you operate and, and build credibility in a community. But they've been doing it for decades. They're online at Landoff.com. Anytime you want to take a look at cars, whether it be new or pre-owned, uh, it's Johnny Landoff Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit or online at Landoff.com. Please support our sponsors. If you like this podcast, the name of the game sponsors. And without the sponsors, we don't have a podcast. So please support our sponsors here on the Tim McKernan Show. All right, it's time for... Questions from the audience. We debut uh, interviews uh, once a week and uh, debut questions from the audience once a week. Interviews usually go up on Sunday night. Questions from the audience on Thursday. And, uh, and, and today, I think we're going to go more along the lines of rapid fire with a bunch of questions. Um, and I'll, I'll attempt to answer. And I'm going to put a time limit on myself. Today's questions from the audience is not going any longer than 22 minutes. I'm looking at the clock right now. It is 10, almost 10.29 in the morning as I record this. So at 10.50, 
I'm just Seamus are going to cut me off, as I'm sure he's wanted to do many a time when I just go on and on and on. So I'm going to go into the email because I get a few in the email, and I usually just look at the TMA fan page. We'll start with this one. As a dad, Tim, new dad, are you spending less time shaving strokes uh, playing golf? I'm a first-time father with a 10-month-old myself, and being able to get away for six hours on the weekend is becoming more difficult, and the beard, wife, uh, can get restless. Are you playing quite often, or is it the new normal to only get out a couple times per month? Uh, Thanks. That comes from Corey T. It's a good question. Now, here's what I've experienced on the golf front. Um, First off, for those of you, and I know uh, you know, I'm I'm 41 at this point, so I guess I'm probably in the median age of the average St. Louis broadcast listener, but for TMA and probably for the podcast, I'm probably on the higher end of the age bracket. Not to say that if you're in your 50s or 60s and listening, or 70s, that that you're out of it. What I'm just saying is I think the podcast usually is going to skew younger. That's my point. So one thing that I want to make sure I say, if I have, I guess it's a good thing to have a regret. I probably have like two or three in my life. Uh, This would be one of them, certainly the least important. Uh, is that I stopped playing golf in 2005. And now, not that I do it regularly, uh, but I'm a single-digit handicap and I can shoot in the 70s. And I think to myself, what would I be doing if I wouldn't have stopped playing golf? And also just how much I enjoy it. So if you if you did stop, or if you're thinking about going, ah, I'm just I'm, I'm too frustrated because I used to be good and now something's off and it's just driving me up the wall, keep going with it. I stopped playing because I started playing poker and for whatever reason, it's just dumb because I really do look back on it and regret. Um, I, I don't know why, but I'm like, I, I, I'll only do one or the other when I really could have done both. But I was so into poker, clearly irresponsibly so, because the first few years I played, I was a losing player. I mean, I was, I was, I'm sure I've given plenty of you listing money online on Poker Stars. Uh, so I stopped playing golf, and I really regret that because I think I played like five or six rounds in, in my 30s. And um, and I would imagine, you know, not like I'd be a scratch golfer, but I, I bet I would be probably like a five or six at this point as opposed to a nine. So anyway, uh, and I just, just the fun I could have had while doing it. Just dumb, just stupid. And you don't get that time back. So uh, there's there's one thing. And then as far as playing and now and, and that's the thing in my 30s, uh, I was married, but I didn't have a kid. And so I certainly could have played and really, really worked on my game because it does change. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. I think that I think the weird spot and people, I guess, like some of the parenting conversation on the podcast, because I'm trying to come at it from an honest angle. And I guess maybe this is somewhat rare. I don't know. I don't listen to parenting podcasts. I don't certainly don't listen to much local radio anymore. Uh, I listen to Howard Stern and, and a handful of podcasts and they're not talking parenting. But I guess people like, you know, the, the candidate answers that, yeah, it can be a motherfucker, you know? Now, with that said, as I say often, considering the fact that my wife and I were told we could not have a baby, could not get pregnant, we did IVF a few times, two times, uh, did IUI, did all these things, and then we were told, yeah, you probably can't get a baby, and now it's time to look at possibly going the surrogate route or adoption, um, you know, I mean, that's where we were, and I'm 41, so... I think even if we were in L.A. or New York, I'd be on the, the, the higher side of the age range on being a first-time parent, certainly being in St. Louis, uh, the higher side. I'm just appreciative, and I love it so much. And when I say I don't know if I would have felt the same way 10 years or 15 years ago, 
Uh, that's not to say I wouldn't have enjoyed it. I think because of the battle we had to get through to get there, I have a greater appreciation for it. And also, uh, my career, it seemed like every year there was a new battle to try to keep the show together. So that wouldn't have been pleasant to be a parent and then also deal with that. So with that said, I think the first year or so, and you're talking about Corey being you know, a parent of a 10-month-old and, and first-time father, and, and my, my son will be uh, 10 months here in a couple of days from the time we're recording this. I think you're in a weird spot because the baby can't do a whole lot, but he still is doing a whole lot that requires you being there, he or she, of course. And uh, and so, therefore, when you say to your wife, I'm going to be gone, you know, two or three times uh, a week to play golf, which means it's all on her for those four, five, six hours, as you said, that's not going to play real well. Uh, and I understand that. Uh, I also, I, this is what I've said to Anna Marie, really, since like September. Jameson was born in August of 2017. I said, I want you to be able to feel like you can get out of the house. So tell me, what, she's big into yoga, you know, whatever it is, just get out of the house because you need to refresh. You know, sometimes we'll talk about on the show, uh, like presidents, you know, whether it be going back because the show has been around that long, George W. Bush or Barack Obama or Donald Trump. And I, I feel I think, Doug, uh, for being as uh, big of a fan of Donald Trump as he is, he doesn't like all the golf. And I actually I, I realize that the optics of it are bad. I recognize that. But I also feel like it is important. And I feel like in the United States, uh, people don't get enough vacation at all uh, to get away and to enjoy yourself because I think you're a better worker if you have something to look forward to, even if it is just a round of golf. And so from a parenting standpoint, um, for my wife, I want her to, you know, like she said, I just feel so much better if I can just work out, if I can do yoga. And I'm like, then then we got to make sure that you do that, whether that be me watching Jameson or you watching Jameson. But, you know, it has to be a mutual understanding. And if, and if a guy wants to be able to play golf, then whatever essentially like the terms are for it, uh, then that's what it is. But I think as Jameson gets a little older, I think my interest in wanting to go play will decline in some kind of indirect correlation because then I can actually do more with him right now. It's, it, don't get me wrong. I mean, what he's doing now at, at almost 10 months versus what he was doing just, uh, you know, during spring training when we were in Florida. He was just kind of like sitting there. It's a world of difference. Now, he's. I mean, anybody who's been the parent of a 10-month-old knows the program. I mean, holy shit, it's, it's nonstop. But it's great entertainment. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so I think maybe you won't want to play as much. Now, I could be wrong. I could have people listening to this right now. I'm in the process of killing a spider as I talk. So I want that... And I'm killing it with a with one-a-day men's vitamins that are, for whatever reason, sitting in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Now, I could be wrong. I still want to play. And, I want to, and, and I'm at a point now where I'm like, oh, wow, I think I actually could get down because I did get down to an eight last year before Jameson was born. I'm like, I know I could get down to like a five or six, but that requires some work. And so I'm kind of just at a point where like I know I'm not going to be able to just go and hit balls and putt and chip and all of this stuff to get there. Uh, so I am kind of what I am at this point. Um and I guess I'm just like, I'm cool with that. I mean, what's the trade-off? Not having my son. So um, I understand where you're coming from. The other thing that I've noticed is now being around some wives or girlfriends of gentlemen uh, who I play a lot with. 
every wife and every girlfriend thinks their husband or boyfriend plays way too much golf. It's like a running joke. And uh, and then I'm, I'm with some of these guys, and I'm like, wow, he plays like twice a month, and she's down on him on it. And then there's another guy, and I'm like, oh, he's there every single day. Um, but it doesn't matter because, you know, it's, we, we had our member guest tournament um, here within the last week. And for the guys, as dumb as it is, it's like the biggest thing in the world. Uh, and for the wives or the girlfriends, they're like, really? This is three days of you clowns playing golf and getting intensely intoxicated and then having an award ceremony where you guys are even more intoxicated and having the best time of your lives in your 30s and 40s and 50s, whatever. And we're like, yep, that's it. Can't explain it. I don't know what the the equivalent would be uh, for the wives, but yes, this is true. So I don't think there's any way that you're ever going to break the wall of understanding it. It just has to be a mutual, yeah, you know what? I want to play golf. Is it cool? And if so, then then you get your six hours doing whatever you want, and I'll take care of the 10-month-old. That's my official parenting advice as somebody who's really like in the top of the first inning of parenting. Uh, next question, also from the emails. Uh, Tim, a big fan. I've been listening since your show with Frank Cusimano. So this person's going back to like 2002, 2003. Uh, I've just recently started listening to a couple of Barstool podcasts, Spittin' Chicklets and Pardon My Take. They both seem to be in the same style as TMA. I know you often credit Howard Stern as an influence. Did you have any influence in sports radio slash television that was more of the TMA Barstool style? Also, have you been contacted by anyone who's currently enjoying success who has had TMA influence their work? Thank you for the time. I enjoy the shows. That comes from Dave. Thank you for the question. It's a good question. Um... I've always said this. I feel like if you grow up as an aspiring sportscaster in St. Louis, and I don't know if it's still this way, but I can only speak to my experience in the 1980s, 1990s, and I guess I was doing it by the 2000s, that we are so, or we were, we are still so lucky to have some of the talent we have here. Um, and the talent I grew up listening to, like, I mean, and then you take it back another generation, and you had Harry Carey and Joe Garagiola. And then that lineup at Camo X with Costas and Deerdorf and Dan Kelly and Jack Buck and sure I'm leaving people out inadvertently. Um, so you've had a lot of talent. And so you can't like I would watch Mike Bush's Sports Plus and couldn't wait for it on Sunday nights at 1030. Couldn't wait for it. Loved the pit where they would bring in sports radio guys and they would argue about stuff. Um, it was Stephen A. Smith before there was Stephen A. Smith. It was Skip Bayless before there was Skip Bayless. It was just great entertainment. Loved it. So Mike Bush was an influence. Uh, it was great to have him on the podcast. It was great to be doing television at the same time, being a peer of his. Uh, Frank Cusimano, who I work with, not only was he an influence, but when I was leaving the University of Missouri Journalism School and looking for my first job, Frank was so helpful in calling on my behalf these TV stations and now, anytime I get an email, I think of, you know, I don't, I don't think twice about responding. I always, I'd like to think I always respond. And if I haven't responded, somehow I missed it, so send it again. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. You know, I think of people like Frank, Joe Buck, uh, who still are so helpful with young people in the business. Uh, and so that's not necessarily a broadcast-style influence, but a way that you conduct yourself uh, influence. Uh, Bob Costas, and I'm certain, because we've talked about it, Bob Costas is not exactly the biggest TMA fan, 
Uh, but certainly an influence, probably his interview style. Of course, Howard Stern, um, Jack Buck, definitely an influence. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it would be fair to say Kelly Chase is an influence, but I admire his broadcast style, and man, am I going to miss it. And obviously, I think Chris Kerber is just crazy good. I think when you, when you think about Kerber and Chase and then Steve Savard and Jack Snow, uh, it, it, and then TMA, it, it underscores the intangible that is chemistry on a broadcast, whether it be a show or a play-by-play broadcast. And you can't fake it because I think the audience can tell when it's not there. And uh, that's that's a huge thing. You can't teach it. You can't you can't create it. It's just it's either there or it's not. So I think when you think of these bar stool shows, and you think of TMA, and you think of Stern, and I'm honored that somebody would even mention the two in the same breath. Uh, that I think is one of the common themes that you have people who get along and they're sitting there and they're just bullshitting with each other because if they're bullshitting with each other, then they're comfortable giving each other shit. And then it creates a light atmosphere because on TMA, we'll get into some topics that are intense, but you know, there's, there's a mutual respect that allows us to, to disagree and then, you know, move on from the disagreement. I'm talking about disagreeing on the topic. Um, so, you know, has there been a show that, that at least has been on the radio in St. Louis that I think has been influenced by TMA? Not that I'm aware of. I don't know. Maybe there has been. Um, and maybe at some point there will be. There's a, I'm sure there's a good chance there's podcasts that you could say that that's, that's going on. Uh, and that's flattering. But, I mean, it, I, I, see, I would say that that means they were influenced by Howard Stern. Like when I saw Letterman have Howard Stern on for his show on Netflix and Letterman point blank said, you know, now every market has a guy essentially doing what you do. And I'm going, yep, that's me. And I'm sure, you know, there's a couple other shows in the market that say, yep, that's me too. Uh, and that's that's the influence. Um, and to me, I guess it's different because there are sports elements of our show. But then when you get down to the sports elements of our show, Jack Buck, Joe Buck, Bob Costas, Frank Cusimano. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm leaving out obvious ones. Uh, but those, those are certainly the people I think of, cause I think of Frank's interviewing style, Joe's sense of humor, his quick, uh, you know, references, certainly his dad, just because I mean, his dad was everything for so many, uh, people, you know, in, in our generation. So, uh, we have great influences here. No question about it. And if TMA winds up being an influence, uh, I'd be honored, uh, if that were the case, but God help the, uh, the young tykes who elect to choose to choose it as an influence. All right, on the TMA fan page, what do we got? What do we got and what do we got? Because I'm on the clock and I'm cutting myself off. I'm not droning on today. Uh, not sure how much you can say, but regarding Kevin Demoff, can off-the-record conversations that he had with you and other media personalities be used as evidence in a lawsuit? Uh, I think we can be asked, but I think we can... Uh, I think we can... I, I don't know. Honestly, it's great. I saw that question yesterday uh, when it was posted, and I thought, I honestly don't know on that. Um, I really don't know on that. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I can tell you, I don't think you're going to, I, I, from, I can speak for myself. It's not like there's going to be some great revelation in there. Um, from, for my conversations, maybe for other people's, um, this is a great question regarding the Rams leaving. And this could be one on its own regarding a gentleman saying he travels a lot. Dave, uh, with the question, he travels a lot, and then it feels he feels like he can't pre- present a good, coherent argument on the why people in St. Louis are so pissed off about the Rams leaving, and that around the country people just think 
a, a wrong was righted by the Rams returning to L.A., and it frustrates him. And he's looking for me to uh, help on that. So ideally, I will save this, and we will use this for another questions from the audience. Because with me putting myself on the clock today, there's no way I can do this in under five minutes and do it justice. Uh, next question. This one comes from Jeremy. At the risk of being annoying, I have two questions, one here and one in a following post. You've mentioned you don't go to many games in person anymore. Is there a primary reason behind this or a combination of factors? More comfortable at home, not having to deal with parking, crowds, getting home late, etc. Do you see this changing as your son Jameson gets older? Personally, I loved going as a kid and I'm thrilled that my sons love it too. Going to Cardinal games is their favorite thing. Um, I think regarding... Going to games uh, when the Rams were here, uh, and I said this on the air, you know, before I was even talk of them moving, and I remember getting lit up because people go, "It's one of the toughest places to play." It was one of the toughest places to play because they had the best team. So you put the you put the you know New England Patriots in the dome, and they were it was going to seem like a hell of a home field advantage. It was a terrible atmosphere, and it wasn't because of the building. And I realized, you know, one of the rules in broadcasting is don't come after the audience. I'm not sure the audience would fall into the PSL holder, holder umbrella. But you would look down on third down from the press box, and, and it, people would be sitting, not doing anything. And I just thought, God, I'm lucky enough because of my job that I get to go to all these NFL stadiums. And this is by far the worst NFL atmosphere. By far. I don't know what's even comparable. I don't know what's second worst. It was by far, and it was a learned behavior, and you had people actually screaming at people to sit down, and that was fucked up, and it really happened, and that's not Stan Kroenke's fault. That's not Roger Goodell's fault. I don't know what the hell happened, but that shit was going on. I bet a lot of you know that's true, because you probably were told to sit down. Uh, God. So it took the fun from going to the game. So you have that. Uh Going to Cardinals games, you know, from for me with getting up so early uh, to do the show, going during the the uh, the week is is not on the table. And I also think from 2000 through 2005, uh, I went to so many games in the in the hundreds that you know it, it's a different ball game now. I, I don't have the desire to go as much because I think I went to so many of them. But it's not like I don't like to go. It's partially schedule. Uh, and then also something that's different from when you wanted to go so much when you were a kid is all of the games are on television. I think that's a big factor, and I think the league's going to have to figure that out. Also, with teams tanking, uh, I think that's impacting baseball's attendance as far as people actually showing up. Uh, and then uh, going to Blues, I can go, I enjoy going to Blues games. Uh, again, it would have to be on the weekends. There's an there's an atmosphere there uh, that I enjoy going to. Um, but yeah, just yeah, just going to games. I don't know. For for me, I, it's not something. But when my son is older, I can't wait to take him to games. So th- it was a good follow up on the Jameson factor. And then second question: What is the most money you've had at stake in a golf match from a betting standpoint, and how tense was it? Any concerns for safety at an extreme or tales of gamesmanship by your opponents? Uh, Jeremy, I appreciate the question. You obviously think a lot higher of my game of golf. Uh, than you should, or you think a lot less of my ability to discipline myself when it comes to gambling than is real, because I, I, I just don't play for that much. I, I mean, I think the most I've had on a hole is $100, uh, and I think it was a one-time extreme situation when that son of a bitch, Chris Raby, uh, who I believe uh, is, of course, part of uh, the radio wars that are so intense between us and KMOX, assuming KMOX knew who we were, uh, that... Uh, I think he had won a few holes in a row, 
and, uh, and no one could ever possibly imagine how that's that's even feasible. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go double or nothing here on the 18th hole, and then just clean it, clean the slate, and then I wound up losing that. Uh, so you know, I'm still not over it. So that's the most I've been I've I've been witness at part of a foursome where there's a thousand dollars a hole going on, but I'm not participating in that. Uh, I'm a decent player. You know, you speak of gamesmanship. It absolutely goes on. Um, I, you know, and, and I, I don't know. I mean, it, so it's a weird deal when you get into sandbagging and golf. And, and I never really understood what it meant because up until a year ago, I never kept a handicap. I don't even know how the hell you did it. Now there's just an app and you enter it in and uh, and then you know where you are. And I guess guys mess with, I mean, I say this like I'm so oblivious to it. Guys mess with their handicaps and it comes into play when you have these these tournaments and, and guys get bad names for it. I would much rather people go, yeah, he's really a, you know, I guess I'm a 9-8 to be exact right now. Yeah, he's really a 9-8 as opposed to, oh, yeah, he says he's a 9, but he's really a 5. It's just, you know, it's one of those things. Like I said before, like if I'm playing a charity golf tournament, I'm with somebody and they go, well, let's just take another putt. And it's cheating. I swear to you, I'm going to look at that person differently going forward. Not like I'm going to scold them, but I'm just going to go, really? You have it in your behavioral pattern that you could possibly cheat in a charity golf tournament or in a golf tournament in general? It's like the Mickelson thing at the U.S. Open. For those who play the game, and again, I mean, I'm a 9-8, so it's not like I'm anything special. Uh, For those who play the game and, and can play it at a high level, the rules are such an important part of it. But I also realize for those who, who maybe play once a, a month with their buddies and they get shit-faced and they do something like that, they would think it's funny. And then they hear the guy who they perceive to have a bunch of money going, well, that's against the rules. And, and then it gets into the socioeconomic element of it. But it is a rule. It is a rule. And it's a, and it's a game where you have to, especially at the younger ages, police yourself. Uh, and even in, you can get into college where you're policing yourself. And there are people who have reputations for cheating. I'm not even talking about pros. And it might be unfair because it's not like it's you see it firsthand. Uh, and it sticks with them. So uh, that's relevant to the gambling question because, yeah, that's where the gamesmanship comes in. Now, you might be asking about gamesmanship, about like a Michael Jordan shit-talking stuff that he would do. Uh, I'm talking more along the lines of, of sandbagging with handicaps. Uh, so some great questions in here. I put myself on the clock, and I'm cutting myself off. The Rams question's especially good, uh, and I, maybe I'll get into that to form the uh, the argument. Uh, I think the best-case scenario, though, on that is that there's, there's a 30 for 30 and uh, or an HBO documentary or real sports on uh, the transcripts from the deposition, and uh, the, the national um, conscience becomes aware of what took place here with this. And, and based on Jay Nixon's interview with us, uh, that sounds like it's something that's going to happen. That interview is coming up. For those of you listening, as this thing goes up on Thursday, Jan- June 21st, that's going to be airing next week. But if you're listening way past then, the interview's already up, and go ahead and take a listen to it. All right, I've cut myself off. It's over. Uh, for uh, thehomeloanexpert.com, for James Carlton, State Farm Insurance Agent, Johnny Londoff, Chevrolet, uh, Executive Producer, John Seymour, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the Audience on the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.
Call of Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This... Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. College duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.